Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Amen. Well, next week, let me just give you a preview of what's coming up next week so that you can invite people uh, and know what's going on. So next next Sunday, we are going to take a look at chapter 3 in the book, which chapter 3 is about uh, how to actually uh, engage in an evangelistic conversation with someone. So we'll go through the practical how-tos of sharing Christ with someone, and it's going to be very basic, but we'll give you the introduction or the foundation of that and help you become more comfortable with that. Let me also say this, that if you've yet to get your uh, Evangelism Explosion book, uh, we tonight's the last night that we're taking orders. We will order a couple of extra uh, beyond what people have ordered just to make sure that we have them, but we're going to place the order tomorrow for these. So hopefully they'll be here by Sunday. So if you've not yet requested one, make sure that you see Jen tonight, and uh, also Jen has a check-in, so make sure you see Jen to get checked in. If you have not already uh, done so, you can do that after. But anyway, how's everybody doing? Awesome. Well, it was good to have uh, Grant and Molly with us this morning, missionaries to Vietnam. You know, I was just, I was reminded again of just the, as we were talking to Grant and Molly after service, of, of the preciousness of what we have here at our church and what God's doing here. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, when they think about Pentecost or uh, Pentecostal churches or charismatic churches, they think, many people often think of the weird. You know, how many, uh, how many of you have ever heard of anything weird happening in a Pentecostal church before? Raise your hands. Okay, yeah, okay, all of us are like, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I've been here. Okay, how many of you, though, how many of you, when those weird things happened, uh, how many of you were actually present and saw those weird things happen? So a majority of you. So, um, you know, the, the great things, the great thing about that um, is I feel like we have a great balance, and we have a great, uh, we have a great balance here at our church of Pentecost and godly order. And you know what a lot of times happens uh, for churches that have never been exposed to Pentecost or it's been a long time since they've had exposure to the power of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, it catches us off guard. (laughs) It's like, whoa, you know. Uh, And so it's awesome to see, you know, we've gone through that season as a church where we've had people go, whoa, hello, you know, we haven't seen this in a while, (laughs) whoa. And uh, so we've been through that season, and we've been through the season of, I don't want anything to do with that, sayonara, I'm heading out the door. If you you want that, you can keep it, but I'm going to go find something else. And we've been through that season, and I really feel like we're in a season of people that love love God, love the power of the Holy Spirit, love the direction of our church, love the vision of the church, love what God's doing, and are embracing it and are, are moving forward with what God's doing in our church. And I love that. You know, we, we uh, any church transition, there's, there's change and people come and they go and all of those things happen. Uh, I had someone ask me the other day, uh, one of the guys at the district office, the state office for the assemblies asked me, uh, has the church breathed yet? 
And when he said that, I thought, has the church breathed? You know, it was a different term. I hadn't heard that term. Uh, and he said, you know, when you breathe, you exhale and you inhale. You, you let go of some and you take in some. And every healthy church has to breathe as do us. We all have to breathe. And so in that transition, we got to breathe. Some, some people come in and some people go out. And uh, so it's exciting. You know, we, you know, it's always sad to see people we love go, but it's more exciting to see God bring in new folks that love what God's doing, embrace what God's doing. And uh, it's exciting. So anyway, we had a great conversation with Grant and Molly and they were excited to see all that God was doing here at the church. And um, it's exciting times. So anyway, so last week you had some homework. If you didn't get the notes from last week, you can see Janice and get you copies of those. But uh, in, your, in your assignment, hopefully you read chapter one. But part of the assignment was that we should have all come up with our five friend focus. Who, who are the five people that you're praying for and believing God for their salvation? And, and it could be less than five. I, I always say five because it makes it easy that five, you can count them and visualize them on your fingers. Uh, did you all do that? Anybody come up with their five? You all fail. <laughs> F. We're going to have a pop quiz tonight. We're going to go through everything we learned last week. Okay. Did anybody, did anybody do that? Uh, there's a few hands I saw. Five, friend, five. Okay. Awesome. Here, Here's, yeah, that's good. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Finish up your five friend focus. And then for next week, begin to write down scriptures, maybe three, four scriptures of salvation that you can begin to pray promises of salvation for those people that you can begin to pray over them. Sound good? So go through your Bible, identify those scriptures and, and it's prayers or promises that you can begin to claim for them. I'm not going to give you any. You need to go look them up. So go find those, go find those scriptures, write them down, and uh, use those for, for a foundation for your prayer for your lost friends and family members. Awesome. Um, anybody have any evangelism stories from this week? Any, any God moments, evangelism stories this week? Don't all jump at once. Anybody? Nobody's sharing their faith. Okay, Debbie. Okay, what happened? Um, well, God has placed a gentleman and his wife in our lives a couple years ago through my sister. Um, they rent through them. Well, they have been um, drug addicts and been clean for a while, but he has um, recently relapsed. And um, God has just made a way for, to open his heart up to um, go into Teen Challenge. And I'm just blessed to be able to um, take that trip with them tomorrow. Um, so please keep him in prayer. His name is Graham and his wife, Jamie. Hopefully we, um, she's going to be coming back to church and just needs loved on and supported while he's gone. So. And they were both here and made decisions for Christ this morning. That's awesome. So, and, the, and you didn't do anything like extra special. You just said, come to church with me and let me get Teen Challenge on the phone. So awesome. Anybody else? Evangelism story this week. Okay. I was telling Pastor about this um, by text message, but um, I ran across someone that I know rather well, and he was ready to commit suicide. And I was able to sit down. I thought you did. Okay. I was able to sit down and share my faith with him and share some experiences that I've gone through. And um, he decided he was not going to take his life at that point. 
but um, I did insist that he did go to the hospital to be checked out just to be safe. Good for you. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Stories this week? Um, no. So I um, took Zoe for a jog yesterday, and, um, and we ended up at the park, go figure, to go slide. And um, there was these two couples there. So I got to talk to one couple, and they were kind of in a hurry to leave. And this other guy shows up with his um, daughter. We start chit-chatting. And so um, just got to share about um, who we are, our faith, our heart for the community, and that we were going to do this community day and have a neighborhood party um, and wanted him and his wife to come with their kids. And so it was just like a seed sown, but it was um, very intriguing to him that a church would love the city enough to just go and throw a neighborhood party. So we'll see if they show up. So just for your all, uh, just for your awareness, June twenty seventh, we're doing a neighborhood day uh, in Cuyahoga Falls at what park? Linden. Linden Park in Cuyahoga Falls. It's off what street? Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. It's right. It's near Hollywood. <laughs> That's all I know. Anyway, um, so it's in that vicinity. It's between Bailey and Hudson in that area. But there's a park there uh, with a wading pool and slides and it's play- playground and then a baseball diamond and all that. So we're going to do a neighborhood day, free backyard barbecue. Um, so we're going we're gonna to take out door hangers and, and that area and, and saturate that area with promotion the two weeks prior to. And then we'll do a big neighborhood day where you all are going to come and love on the neighborhood as they come out for free food and fun stuff. So anyway, the more details will be coming up on that. Roanoke Avenue. Okay. Other evangelism stories. Yes. Remind me of your name one more time. I'm going to get it. Ryan. Um, I met a young man about a month ago named Siler, and uh, homosexual. Um, I was one of the first Christians he met that it was different because he expected judgment. And uh, that's actually something I myself struggled with for years. And uh, basically, I planted the seed a month ago. And I told him, like, you know, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He believed in God, but he didn't fully accept him. He didn't accept Jesus. And uh, he finally made that decision last night. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, you should be. That's awesome. Now come bring him to church. (laughs) It's awesome. Um, At the end of the rows are these little business cards. And if there's not any in your row, there's always some up around the front. But they're, they're invite business cards that you can take with you. And as you minister to people, witness to people, give them a, give them a card. And, and there's a place for your name and phone number on the back. So you can they have the church information, and then they can get your information as well. So these are these we keep these in the pews as a resource for you to take and minister to people. Um, so I'll share my story because <laughs> I, I feel like it's good that you all know that we're, we're engaged in this life as well. You know, as a pastor especially as a senior pastor, I find myself a lot of times in meetings with church people. And that's really the, you know, the extent of my visits and time. I spend a lot of time with church people and church leaders um, and constantly casting the vision, all of those things. And uh, so I said, Lord, you know, we're new to this area. And, you know, I want, I'm, here I am, I'm preaching on suddenlies and I'm, I'm involved. 99% of my time is in church. I need my suddenly moment. So, I want a suddenly moment with somebody. And uh, the other day I was sitting at my second office at Starbucks, 
and of course, if, if it's if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have a suddenly moment, it's gonna be at Starbucks because that's about the only other place I'm at. And uh, I'm sitting at Starbucks, and the um, uh, I had an appointment, and had the didn't the, we're supposed to have an appointment, I didn't, and then I sat there, I was doing my work and going through and getting all my stuff done. And I, at one point I thought, you know, I need to just go back to the office because I, I have visits all day today and sitting here doing work at Starbucks is probably not the most productive. But I just felt like I needed to stay, finish up what I was working on. And as I'm sitting there, I hear this conversation. This girl had gone up in the line. She had gotten her coffee and she saw a guy behind me. And how I many you know, sitting at Starbucks, you're like sitting on top of one another. So he's like sitting right behind me and they're talking. Well, she starts talking about how her her sister had OD'd on heroin, she was at a party, and um, she thought she was doing coke, but it was laced with heroin, I mean, she's going on all these details, and I thought, and honestly, my first, this is horrible, but my first thought was, yes, we've got a drug addict, yes, (laughs) I haven't had a drug addict since New Orleans, thank you, Jesus, I'm like, you know, so I was totally excited. We hadn't really dealt with much of that here, and I'm sure it's here, but we just hadn't seen a lot of it. In New Orleans, we were inundated with strippers, drug addicts, you name it. You know, we saw it. And uh, so I was like, okay, God, so obviously this is my suddenly moment. What are you doing? You know, give give me the right words to say here. And so I just listened, and then they kept going on, and the guy was a psych major, and it was obvious he was into the whole psychology stuff. He was trying to give her all the mental health, blah, blah, blah. And then he, then he has the audacity to tell her, well, you just need to, you just got to cut it off. You just got to cut off the relationship from your sister. She survived. They revived her. You just got to cut off that relationship, cut off the relationship from your alcoholic mom. It's not doing you any good. And I'm thinking, dude. This this girl just almost lost her sister. So this she's not. You can't tell her to just to cut off the relationship. She just she almost well she did die. You know I'm like you can't. So anyway, so I'm, I'm just reeling at this point. So I get up, I throw my cup away, and come back and sit down. And they said, Oh, we're so sorry. Did we interrupt you? I said, Oh no. I said, Actually, are you okay if I interrupt your conversation? I said, I'm sitting right by you, so it's kind of really hard not to hear what you're saying. And I said, My wife and I are pastors. First off. I said, secondly, my wife used to be a drug dealer. So uh, we have a little bit of background here that I might be able to help you with. <laughs> so, so I said, if you don't mind me interrupting you. Um, so, you know, of course, I always, Heather's always my lead in for those kinds of conversations because I'm like, I'm the church boy. What am I going to say? And uh, so we walked through and, and, and I just said, look, I don't know about your situation and, and I don't really know all the details, but... Um, I said, I know a great rehab program. If your sister is looking for a rehab, I know a great rehab program for women. It's in New Orleans. You know, it's we, we used to be on staff at the church where it's at, and, and we were part of starting it. We love the rehab program. I said, are you familiar with New Orleans? And they, she said, yeah, my husband's in the Army. He actually used to be stationed outside Lafayette. I said, really? My wife's from Lafayette. So we immediately had a connection, and so she knew New Orleans. I said, well, do you know where the Saints training camp is? She was like, oh, yeah. So I said, well, our church was right next to the Saints training camp, so you can't miss it. So if you're looking for a rehab, they also have a men's program. So whatever you're looking for, we got it there. We can send you. We can, you know, so it became this great conversation. I said, look, I don't, I don't know all the details, but I know that God can 
can change any person's life. I said, look, I can take a look at my wife. I said, I wouldn't even know that she was a drug dealer if I looked at her life today. There's no, there's no comparison. I said, God can transform anybody's life. And so it was, it, it was awesome. It was nothing major, but it was just a little God moment. It was just my kiss from heaven, but, um, but it was a moment to give hope to somebody. So the more that you allow God to do those things in your life, the more you start expecting them. The more that you allow God to give you those divine moments, and it may be as simple as, you know, it was, it's funny because Heather is like the, Heather has a magnet on her for lost people. You know, we all have our gifts. Heather's gifts is, is the magnet for the lost person. She can walk into a room with 100 Christians, and the one sinner is going to be a magnet. You know, she's going to be stuck to her. That's her gift. She has an evangelistic gift. And um, I get jealous because I'm like, I want that gift. <laughs> But I get, I get the ones where I have all the, those that are called into ministry and those that feel called to leadership that all get attracted to me. So I have, the, I have the father's heart and she has the soul winning heart. So we make a great team. But anyway, so jumping into tonight's notes, witnessing as a way of life. And this is kind of what I was saying earlier. The more that you begin to experience those moments, you begin to expect those moments. The more that you expect those God moments, the more you experience those moments. And so I would encourage you, ask God to give you those divine supernatural intersection points with people where you run across someone in those obvious God moments. And as you begin to allow God to open your eyes, uh, you begin to see those moments and you begin to know the words, God begins to speak to you. The Holy Spirit begins to give you the words and the insight for that situation. You may feel absolutely incapable. You may say, I've never done drugs in my life. I would have no clue what to say to a drug addict. But in those moments, the Holy Spirit gives you the words. You don't have to have done drugs. You know, there used to be this whole, um, I don't know if anybody growing up in church or not growing up in church is familiar with this, but there used to be this uh, idea that if you were going to be a witness for Christ, you had to have a story. You know, if you didn't have a story, you definitely couldn't be a preacher. You know, you had to have a story. And, and my story is that I grew up in church, and God kept me from all the foolishness. And I thank God for his grace to keep me from all the foolishness and to give me a wife that understands all the foolishness. <laughs> And, you know, the awesome thing, her sin isn't any worse than my sin. It's all sin at the end of the day. And so God uses it all. So ask God to make it a way of life for you. Uh, Bob, you want to read Deuteronomy 6, 7 there in your notes? So again, we're seeing that witnessing and the word of the Lord becoming a way of life. You begin to fill yourself, saturate yourself. We use the, we use the word a lot. You hear it all the time. Saturate. Uh, when you take a sponge and you take that sponge and you stick it down in the bottom of, of a bucket of water, it is saturating. It's soaking up and taking on the water. Well, we need to saturate ourselves in the presence of God, saturate ourselves in the Word of God, and allow it to become part of our daily life. Um, Kathy, can you read Matthew 28? Let her be there.
Awesome. So we're soul winners, but we're disciple makers. We're soul winners that are making disciples. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of people look at people uh, like Billy Graham or Reinhard Bonnke, and they have a great soul winning ministry, and that's awesome. But don't, don't let us forget that we're also uh, disciple makers, and, and they have great uh, follow-up programs and what they do. But um, you and I are not the next Billy Graham. You're the next Carol Umberger. You're the next Jewel Dean Bauer. You're the next Grace Pastor, Grace Sloan. You're the, you know, you are who God made you to be, and you're in the circles of influence that you are in to glorify God, to make disciples. Don't ever look at yourself as just, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not Billy Graham, or I'm going to be the next Billy Graham. No, no, no. That's not what God's called you to do. That's not what God's called you to be. God called Billy Graham to be Billy Graham. He called Reinhard Bonnke to be Reinhard Bonnke. You are the person God's called you to be, and this uh, season of time. I said the other day, you know, our, our place in eternity is secure, but your place in history is up for you and up, you know, you're really, God is, God, God has saved us. He's transformed us, but your influence in our society today is really up to you. Will you yield to God and allow him to use you in a supernatural way, not for your name to be in lights and all the glory and all those things. That's just, ridiculous. I mean, if that's pride. We don't, who cares? But what I'm, what I'm after is, are you influencing people for Christ? Are you doing your part to see people around you born again? Let her see there. Christ used ordinary things to lead people to himself. At a well, he was the water of life. At a hungry crowd, he was the bread of life. The crippled and the sick, he was the healer. So God used practical things to bring people in. Evangelism explosion, quote, says, We must study to develop a witnessing mindset, ever asking God to give us the ability to see the opportunities for lifestyle evangelism that he brings into our path each day. How does this happen? Secondly, through relational evangelism. So what are some of the existing relationships that you may already have to begin to allow God to use you? Family members. How many of you have unsaved family members? Everybody in this room, great opportunity. How many of you have kids that are away from God? Anybody have kids? Quite a few. Okay, awesome. Kids that are away from God. You know, that, that is a great opportunity to begin to minister life to people around you. And it's not, you know, especially with kids, you want to just smack them upside the head, I'm sure, sometimes and say, hey, why don't you just get this? Can you just stop being stupid? But really begin to speak the life of God's word over them. Stop tearing them down. There's plenty of people that will tear them down. Begin to speak the word of God over their life. And you don't have to say, thus says the Lord, you know. <laughs> uh, and just begin to speak the, the encouraging word of the Lord over their life. Begin to speak life over them. Don't tear them down, well, you know. Well, the Lord says you're going to lose your job in 60 days if you don't straighten up. <laughs> well, you're real encouraging. <laughs> Begin to speak. It is God who gives you the ability to work and get wealth. It's an anointing from heaven to give you grace to work and skills to work. And you're going to glorify the Lord in your job. And you just begin to speak life over them. And those things become a lifestyle evangelism. Friends, um, co-workers. I'll just pause here on co-workers. When I, uh, there was a season when I worked um, full-time job and then did part-time ministry, if there is such a thing. And uh, I don't think ministry is ever part-time. But, um, 
in my full-time job, I, was, I, I worked as a, at a law firm as a legal investigator. I worked in pharmaceutical litigation, and uh, it was a great job. And we had a, um, there was a team of about 10 different uh, investigators that we all worked for about 12 different attorneys in our area. Our law firm was about four or 500 employees. It was a good-sized firm. And uh, there was a particular guy that I worked with, and when I saw him, God spoke to me and said, I want you to witness to him. I want you to reach out to him, minister to him. I thought, okay, God, that's, that's wonderful, but he works in a different office than I do. I never see him. My office was over here, and his office was over here. So I said, God, if that's going to happen, you're going to have to make, make our paths cross. I don't ever see him except in passing. And um, so within a, probably within a month of that, we were in a new building, our law firm moved to a new building, and we instead of having individual offices, we were now in cubicles. And our cubicles were, you know, we there was a cubicle aisle and another cubicle, so we could look across the aisle and see each other. Y'all got the picture. Well, guess who ends up right next to me? <laughs> so he's, and, and you know, it, it had to be God. So he's sitting right next to me. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't obviously it was not coincidence. God was at work. And so I began to minister to him. I, he had a baby uh, boy that they just had, so I bought him the book, uh, Bringing Up Boys, and, uh, you know, just did little things here and there to develop a relationship and found out he had grown up in a Baptist home, but he hadn't been in church in a long time and blah, 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 blah. So we ended up talking. Well, it was funny because as we're going through the work day, the conversation of people going to heaven or hell came up one day, and all of the investigators are standing around my desk, and they all say, well, my, one of them says, my cousin, I forget what the situation is, is living in a gay lifestyle. But they're a great person, and they're, they're better to people than some straight, you know, they're giving me the whole story. And I'm like, okay, but are they going to, uh, are they going to hell? And so I was like, okay, God, great. Every, every hot topic is sitting right in front of me. Thank you. Appreciate that. And then I've got, you know the person I'm supposed to be witnessing to. So I looked at him and I said, you know what? It's not an issue whether they're gay or straight. It's not an issue. The issue is not an issue whether they're good or bad. Not the issue. The issue is that they were born into sin. The issue is that the only way to heaven, Jesus said, is I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Period. doesn't matter what their sin is. They're still sinner. And so they're going to hell without Jesus. That is, the, that is scripture. And uh, that is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus came to redeem us in the midst of our path or our journey to hell. And, you know, of course, they didn't like that answer. <laughs> but it stuck with the person sitting next to me. They ended up in church that Sunday, got born again, and started going to church, raised their family in church, the whole. And so as a result of that, just that one series of events caused the co-worker to get born again. God used it for that co-worker to get born again. So I would encourage you, you don't necessarily know what those little things will do, but those simple God moments will see people transform. God never wastes, God never wastes his word. He said, when I send my word out, Isaiah, when my word goes forth, it does not return void. And when you begin to speak the word of God over people's lives, it will produce harvest. It has to. You're speaking the word of God. Salt of the earth. Um, Pastor Grace, can you read Matthew 5.13? So what are some of the characteristics of salt? 
It melts ice. <laughs> it does. It preserves flavor. It has monetary value. All of those things. Anything else? It's got healing, preserving. It does. It puts out fires. It's great for grease fires. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, right. It could be overpowering. Awesome. Now, how does that relate to evangelism? How do these? So Jesus said, "We're the salt of the earth." So how do those properties relate to evangelism, personal evangelism? It's worth. So if we don't have flavor, we're worthless. We lose our value. Yep. What about the? Um, I love the melting ice. That, that God uses the salt to melt the ice, that we become that element that melts the hard heart, that God uses us to melt the hard heart. Gentle, a gentle answer turns away wrath. What were some of the other? <laughs> now, now you need Tony's on the boiled egg, not salt. You need Tony's. Tony's asteroids, yep. <laughs> Prevents decay, the preservative. So the element of the preserving nature of salt, that our lives become preserved. You know, the, um, the New Testament church in Acts, it says that the, uh, let me read this, because I don't want to misquote here. Acts 2. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Acts chapter 2. And Acts 2, um, verse 42, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. That word in verse 42, continued steadfastly, uh, is the word in Greek, it means to be preserved in. And so they, the, the disciples were being preserved in the apostles' teaching. And that word preserved means to be kept for future use, to keep from spoiling. And so that is, that's the nature of the word of God, that God's word in us and the effect of the presence of God in us, we become the preserving element to a perverse generation around us. We become, and that's why uh, we see the, the de decline really in, in our society is not the government's fault, it's the church's fault. We've lost our saltiness. We've lost our preserving elements and qualities. We're no longer speaking up or speaking the truth. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, just even in my own life, there are things, you know, a great example of this is the whole Duggar, you know, Josh Duggar situation is the current big hot topic. And um, Heather and I were, you all know what the situation I'm talking about, 19 kids and counting, the Josh Duggar. Okay, some do, some don't. Anyway, uh, go, if, if you have Facebook, you can check out. It's all over Facebook. Um, but Heather and I were talking, and, you know, my, my first initial thought is, man, all these people on Facebook, I'm going to say something on Facebook. You know, I'm going to say speak truth. And then, you know, she's over there saying, no. But, but how, how true that is. You know how true that is that we've chosen to, as the church, to stay out of a lot of things because we've gotten blasted. And uh, and I started thinking about that. I thought, wow, you know, this is not a heaven or hell issue. I'm not, you know, not saying that I should speak up on this. But there are certain things that are heaven and hell issues that we as a church 
at large have backed away from. And, uh, you know, we miss our opportunity to love on people. We miss our opportunity to speak truth when we keep our mouth shut. So I would encourage you, you know, I'm not telling you to go out and start fights on social media, but, uh, but if it's a heaven or hell issue, there, we need to speak up. You have a private message, yeah. <laughs> they use some wisdom, but speak up. Letter C, the believer's paradox. Now, this, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier in my own self here, um, is that we have this tendency, the longer that you're in church, the less um, unbeliever connections that you have. Because you begin to develop relationship within the church, all the unbelievers that you were friends with tend to go away. So you have to begin to think creatively about how you're going to reconnect with the lost. You know, for Heather, it's always, you know, Zoe doing things in the community and, and being involved in the parks and all those kinds of things. Those present a great way to connect with people in the community. Um, you know, it could be going out into the neighborhood. You may have to strategically think about, I need to go in my neighborhood and just go door to door and love on people. Whatever it is, you have to be creative and think about how do I reconnect with the lost and I'm not talking about allowing them into a place of influence where they're influencing your Christianity. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, we all should know the difference that we don't, you know, we live in the world, we're not of the world. We don't allow the world to influence our, our belief of who, we, uh, who Christ is and who we are in Christ. We don't allow our, our doctrine to be swayed by, by the lost. But we are there to be influenced, to be salt and light in a dark world. So think about that. How do I begin to fill a need in our community? How do I meet a need? You know, we, that's the Hope Center. Uh, we have the food pantry. You know, that's a great way to get connected with lost people. We have, uh, on, on average, 15 families a week coming through, at least 15 to 20 families a week coming through the food pantry on Wednesdays before church. And every week, probably half of those 15 to 20 people are new people that have never been to our church before. And that's, that's every week, every week. Then they're back there. Great opportunity to love on people. And uh, we're getting ready to develop that process and what we're doing on Wednesdays. Um, but we're getting ready to start offering medical screenings. Uh, the fourth Wednesday of every month, we'll have medical screenings. So if anybody does medical things, or you, I mean, anybody can put an oximeter, pulse, you know, you can put a little thing on somebody's finger. Um, you know, you can push a button on a blood pressure cuff. I mean, all of those, you don't have to have special training for that. Uh, it's all electronic these days. But all those types of things are great ways to begin to meet the need of the community. Any questions so far? Number three, witnessing opportunities. Opportunities to witness. One, the occasional introduction. Now, this is where you come into a situation that uh, you raise the question of eternity or the gospel, and you just, it's an occasional, it's, it's not, uh, you know, you see somebody on the elevator or something, you know, it's an occasional uh, where you bring up the situation. B, how I many you know when, death, when someone's presented with death or bad news, that's a great opportunity to begin to speak truth into someone's life, to begin to encourage someone. When you run across someone that's facing death or someone that has dealt with death 
or bad news, news on the TV, using the news or the things that are on media, Duggar, begin to find those things that are uh, currently happening in culture, in media, that you can pull from and use those as an opportunity to share, gospel, share the gospel. See, questions about your church involvement. Sometimes people ask, well, what church do you go to? Or what do you do there? Or why are you doing that? Or what do you believe? All those types of things. Don't just... Don't leave it at just simple answers. Use those as a springboard to begin to have God conversations, not just church conversations. Invite them to church. All those things are great, but have a God conversation as a result of it. Person's names, understanding what names mean. You know, maybe if you work with someone and they, you know, my name means the Lord remembers. Zach means Jehovah remembers. The Lord remembers. You know, you know, use that as an opportunity. Hey, did you know that's a great name? Did you know that your name means God remembers? You know, wow, that's awesome. God told Jeremiah uh, that he he knew him in his mother's womb before he was ever born. God knew him, had a plan for his life. That's awesome. God knows you, and it just becomes it's just that simple little. You don't have to preach a message at him. It's just that simple. Hey, wow. And you just stuck. God knows. And they may not even know their name means that. Um, F, elevators. Of course, elevators are a great place. Uh, you're stuck at least for a couple of seconds on the elevator. You never know who you'll meet on the elevators. I was at the I was at Lester's hospital visitation. And, and Pastor Bill and I were just talking, having a conversation. And his daughters were on the elevator with us. So we got done and they turned and they said, Are you Pastor Zach from Celebrity? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, that makes sense, you know, after hearing our conversation. So um, you just never know. Um, insurance, talking about insurance, seasons, holidays, and then, you know, people, Christian apparel, all those things. So I want to share a video tonight, and I'm just going to do one of these. Uh, Pastor Joe, since we're on the time, I'd like to do uh, Who Jesus Calls and Equips, if there's a way to do that, just that one. We'll, we'll see. Many the pressing question is, how can God use me? What are the qualifications? What I personally wanted to find out when I started was, whom exactly did Jesus choose as his apostles and what were their qualifications? What I found turned out to be truly life-changing. I believe it is one of the most encouraging biblical truths you will ever hear. It is a principle that harkens all the way back to the Old Testament and still holds true today.
Before Jesus chose his 12 disciples, we read that he went for an all-night prayer meeting. Luke chapter 6 verse 12 says, he went to a mountain and continued all night in prayer to God before he chose his 12 apostles. Now scholars say all night means 12 hours. Let's say from either 6 o'clock in the evening to 6 o'clock in the morning or 7 o'clock in the evening to 7 o'clock in the morning. 12 hours. He prayed 12 hours mm. to choose 12 people, one hour per person, 12 men. So he prayed 12 hours. Isn't that wonderful wow. to know that Jesus possibly prayed one hour for each man? Mm. Wouldn't it be wonderful to know if Jesus had prayed personally one hour for you? or one hour for me. It's fantastic. So, he prayed 12 hours. After he had prayed those 12 hours, let's say 7 o'clock in the morning, he descends from the mountain, he arrives at the beach of Lake Galilee, and if I read scripture right, he begins to choose his apostles. And this surprised me. It looked to me as if Jesus just chose the man as he bumped into them. Just at random. You two, yes, and one, two, three, you three, and you, and you, and you. How many have I got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I need three more. And what about you? And what about you and you? Twelve. There they all were. And then I said to myself, no. I cannot believe that Jesus prayed 12 hours for 12 men and then he just picked them as they came. Mm -hmm. Why did Jesus pray 12 hours? What did Jesus pray for those 12 hours? Did he pray, my father, show me the best and the greatest man in Israel, the superman in Israel. I need superman as my apostles. So I asked myself, why did he choose those men this way? And looking at it even a little closer, I thought by myself, without trying to be disrespectful to Jesus, allow me to say, I don't need to pray 12 hours and then after 12 hours go and make such bad choices. <laughs> Look whom he chose. He chose a man like Peter, impetuous Peter, a man with a quick temper, this rough man, always acting first and then thinking second. He chose the sons of Zebedee. They were hotheads. When the Samaritans refused overnight accommodation for Jesus and his disciples, 
the sons of Zebedee said, Lord, call down fire and burn down this village. Jesus chose them. I thought, what glorious apostles would those two men make? <laughs> Jesus said, you don't know what, of what spirit you are. This is not the spirit of Christ. He chose them. But worst of all, he chose Judas Iscariot. Yes, Judas betrayed him. But the Bible also says that Judas was a thief. And if anyone knew, Jesus knew. And Jesus made him the treasurer of the apostolic team. I want to warn any pastor, never appoint a thief to be your church treasurer. <laughs> but Jesus did it. Now, when I realized that Jesus had chosen these men with all their faults and all their mistakes, I said, I cannot believe that he prayed for 12 hours, Lord, show me the Superman, because none of them was a Superman. Mm -hmm. Why did Jesus pray 12 hours to choose people with such big faults? Mm -hmm. Why such ordinary people with their big mistakes? I said, Lord, why did you choose these people? Why did you have to pray 12 hours? And then something happened to me. I had an experience that really blessed me mightily. It was as if the Holy Spirit took me and put me on that mountain where Jesus prayed, put me right next to him so that I could hear his voice. I expected Jesus to pray for the great, to show him the greatest man in Israel, but he didn't. I heard something totally different. And I thought I could hear Jesus pray. I could even hear what he prayed. And what he prayed shook me. This is what I heard, Jesus prayed, my father, you know that I am about to choose my 12 apostles. Don't let me choose like the world chooses. Don't let me plant success as the kings of this world would plan their success. Mm. My Father, not my will, but your will be done. And it took 12 hours for Jesus to have the victory on that point. And then he came down from the mountain and he chose ordinary people. Amen. People like me and people like you, with all our mistakes, with our weaknesses, he still chooses us. I think if I had been Jesus, I wouldn't have gone to the beach for some ignorant fisherman. I think I would have gone to the university 
of Jerusalem, I would have said to the professors, give me a list of the finest young men, the sharpest brains, movers of people, great orators. I have a great commission that needs to go to the ends of the world. Give me the best of the young men you have here at the university. Jesus didn't come close to a university. He chose ordinary people, ordinary people. Jesus does not choose us because of what we are, but because of what he makes from us. Mm -hmm. And here is our great chance. Oh, amen. God doesn't need Superman mm -hmm. and he doesn't need Superwomen. I tell you why he didn't pick Superman. He didn't pick Superman because there were no Superman in Israel. There are no Superman in America. There are no Superman in, in Germany or in Britain or in China or in India. There are some Superman in Hollywood, but they are all fakes. <laughs> Jesus chooses ordinary people. And this is how he chose these people there. Now, my father was a, a pastor. I heard the gospel from my earliest years. That is the greatest inheritance I, I have in this world. When I was nine years of age, I received Jesus Christ as my savior. And when I was 10, just one year later, in that little church in North Germany, where I grew up, it was some kind of a mission meeting. Um, suddenly, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And the Lord said, Reinhard, when you are grown up, you shall preach the gospel in Africa. I was so overwhelmed. I jumped up. I ran forward, I put my arms around my dad, I started to cry. I said, Papa, God has spoken to me. My father said, son, what did he say to you? I said, he said to me, when you are grown up, you shall preach the gospel in Africa. My father said to me, Reinhardt, your oldest brother shall be my successor. Wow. You know, I was not my father's choice. My father picked my oldest brother because he was the best at school in mathematics. And I was the worst. <laughs> but in the meantime, I have found out that mathematics has not yet saved one soul, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We may not be the choice of people, but Jesus is here to point with his finger at you. And he says, I have chosen you yes. to go and preach the word of God. Amen. In Germany, 
we have a saying, when somebody is no good, really no good, we say, that one over there is a zero. The German word for this is null. He's just a null. He's just a zero. He, 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 he fails his exams. He can't find a job or can't hold a job. He's just a zero. Well, I must be honest with you. When God called me, I was just a zero. Just a zero. But listen to what happened. When God called me being a zero, I responded. I came to Jesus and I stood next to him. That moment I made the discovery of my life. Because I discovered that Jesus is the number one. Yes. And when I, as the zero, stood next to him, we were already ten. Wow. <laughs> Any other zero here? Come and stand next to me, and we are already one hundred. Yeah. Any more zeros? <laughs> one thousand, ten thousand, <laughs> one hundred thousand, one million, yeah. ten million. And then I realized, Jesus puts value into every zero. Mm -hmm. I don't even mind to be the last zero because the last zero is the most valuable. Mm -hmm. A hundred million is more than a hundred. Yes. As long as the one is in front, Jesus, uh -huh. we are all highly valuable. Mm -hmm. But take the one away and we are all but zeros mm -hmm. again. This is how God calls, how he chooses. It's a secret that needs to be understood. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are. Jesus makes you valuable, highly valuable. He calls you, he equips you, and he sends you, and he will be with you all the way right till the end of time and to the end of the earth. Awesome. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762- 7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.